Are you an entrepreneur looking to scale your venture? Do you have ideas on how to take Canadian entrepreneurship to new heights? Join more than 2,000 entrepreneurs, investors, industry, and government leaders in Ottawa on October 19th at Startup Canada Day on the Hill. Keynotes, workshops, hackathons, startup, scale-up, and skill stages, growth partner zones, and a mentor genius zone. Get plugged into the Canadian entrepreneurship community in one place, all in one day. Scale your startup and have your say through the most influential and high-impact event in Canada's entrepreneurship community. Get your tickets today to the Startup Canada Day on the Hill on October 19th. For more information, visit startupday.ca. The Startup Canada Awards recognizes excellence in Canada's entrepreneurship community. This year, we invite you to join us at one of six regional celebrations across Canada. Join us in Ottawa on August 24th, Montreal on September 12th, Kamloops September 15th, Fredericton on September 17th, Whitehorse on September 19th, and Edmonton on September 21st. And join us at the grand finale in Ottawa on October 19th as part of the Startup Canada Day on the Hill. Come celebrate alongside the movers and shakers of Canada's entrepreneurship community. Visit startupaward.ca for more information and get your tickets now. Hi, I'm Rob Vilnev, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Team activities that draw out and act on feedback can really help to unite employees. At Rebel, we are big on agile retrospectives, which are just simple activities that help teams to reveal, explore, and solve hidden challenges together. One of our favorite activities is a game called Mad Sad Glad, where each team member shares specific instances that made them feel angry, upset, or happy by placing a post-it note on a wall. We then review everyone's contributions, group similar sentiments, and vote on a few specific topics to do a deeper dive on. This kind of activity is great to get feedback from the quieter members of the team, and it really drives team-led self-improvement. The team concludes Mad Sad Glad by committing to SMART goals, which are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. We check in as a team the following week to see if the changes have made a positive impact. The key takeaway? Be sure to give your teams the tools they need to identify and solve their own challenges together. Learn how to get the most of your payments through simple, safe, and smart card transactions. Visit MasterYourCard.org forward slash Canada for tips to master small business security. Master your card with MasterCard Canada. Are you ready to plan for the future? Build the financial foundations for your business with Intuit QuickBooks Startup Foundations. Enroll in the online Startup Foundations workshop and receive a free one-year subscription to Intuit QuickBooks Online. Visit bit.ly forward slash startup foundations. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash startup foundations today to register for free. Traveling for business will never be the same. With Rogers Rome Like Home, you can now stay connected to your business just like you do at home when you use Rome Like Home with your Share Everything for Business plan. For just $5 a day in the United States and $10 a day internationally, you can use your data as you would at home and receive unlimited calling and messaging to Canadian and local numbers with no roaming charges. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash small business.
on the show today, stepping in for Rivers Corbett, is Janice McDonald, founder of The Beacon Agency and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurship. This is David Siegel, former CEO of David's Tea and founder of Mad Radish Inc. We are thrilled to have David Siegel on the show with us today. David is a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of David's Tea, a Canadian specialty tea empire with more than 200 stores across North America. Before stepping down in 2016, David grew the company to become a $200 million retail giant. Having successfully created the brand culture that transcended a tea vendor to a gallery of 150 unique tea blends, Forbes named David's Tea one of the 25 most innovative consumer and retail brands in the world. No big deal, right, David? So impressive. In 2013, Oprah Winfrey publicly expressed her love of David's Tea on her show and magazine on several occasions. Today, David is expanding his visionary mind with a new restaurant business, Mad Radish Inc., that just launched this year. And you're going to tell us all about that, I hope. Good. In today's podcast, we'll talk to David about how branding can make or break a startup, which I know our listeners will be really excited to hear about, how you have transformed the industry of one of the world's oldest and most loved beverages, and I know all kinds of other things that... uh from your entrepreneurial journeys. So welcome to the show, David. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Great. Now, starting with, what do you want our listeners to take away from our discussion today? Uh, Well, I want them all to come visit Mad Radish for some mind-blowing salads. Uh, No, (laughs) joking aside. um, Well, you got to pitch it though, right? Yeah, shameless plug. Uh, Right uh, off the top. (laughs) No, I I think that uh, uh, it's Canada's time. You know, I think it's a very exciting time to be uh, a Canadian. In in many ways, uh, what was the American dream has now become the Canadian dream. And um, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in this country, uh, a lot of brilliant minds and, and uh, tons of entrepreneurship. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think the future is bright here. And I think uh, people should be optimistic and um, um, should be excited and, and passionate and, and ready to hit the ground running and work hard. That's amazing. And it's exciting, too, to see how you have transitioned from this, you know, uh, really successful, tremendously successful business. And now you're going to put that same blueprint of sorts uh, onto salads, mind blowing salads, no less. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, let's first, though, talk about uh, David's Tea, the the story that um, I'm sure is filled with lots of twists and turns. You are the grand innovator. I love that behind an old age drink. So can you share with us some of the uh, highlights and maybe lowlights from the journey to being a tea connoisseur to uh, growing into this international retail giant that Oprah and, uh, and neighbors and I love. (laughs) Um, well, I mean, it was it was a phenomenal experience. We started in in two thousand eight. I uh, left the company in two thousand sixteen after uh, taking it public, growing it to two hundred stores. Um, you know, the you know, the podcast isn't long enough to tell me to tell every to tell everyone everything that I learned to, uh, along the way. But um, um, we grew really, really fast. Um, we we were able to take what was a commodity that you bought in a grocery store mostly, where you had, say, eight varieties, you know, 
we all know them, Earl Grey, Chamomile, Mint, the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have 20 brands and each brand had its version of Earl Grey or its version of Mint. And you're making your buying decision based on a picture on the box and a price point. Uh, and what we were able to do is really bring the product to life. So we realized that that tea is anything you put in hot and cold water that's not coffee. Uh, in reality, tea is actually a very specific plant. It's a Camellia sinensis plant. But we, we were in the herb and spice business and fruit business as much as we were in the tea business because, mm. because of how we, we think about tea in North America. So it really was like cooking. You know, there were endless possibilities. There was so much creativity you could bring to the product in terms of flavors. Um, and nobody was doing it in a fun way on the main street. So, uh, you know, you had any kind of tea store was either typically very Asian inspired or British inspired. And it was usually on a, on a you know, an off street. It was never on the main street. Um, and you felt like you had to whisper when you go in and you felt like you had, <laughs> had to know something about tea to be in there, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we were able to make it fun, able to make it young, uh, take something that was old and, and give it a facelift. And, and really, I think the flavors that we, we were able to create were truly unique. Um, you know, I mean, I never thought it would go as far as it did, uh, mm-hmm. but people loved it. And, and um, you know, I, so many things in those early days that I learned that – that I didn't do, or I did do, uh, uh, that I now am, am trying to apply those lessons to Mad Radish uh, uh, when we build out this this amazing salad company. Can you tell us a couple of pinch me moments that you had? There must have uh, been a few. We opened you know, the first store. Is, we opened the first yeah. store on Queen Street in Toronto. Um mm-hmm. And there was a ladder in the window. They were still kind of finishing construction. It was, you know, I mean, it's the first one. Yeah. A lot of a lot of uh, mistakes. Um, and I remember the night before sitting with uh, our our uh, our operator, uh, and we were just sitting there together. And we're like doing the numbers on how much tea we actually had to sell. And 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 we figured we needed to sell a thousand dollars a day in tea. And we were like, oh, my God, that's so much tea. There's no way we're going to sell it. dollars Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, the doors opened. And before mm-hmm. we had even finished construction, customers started flooding in the stores. And I, I literally had to call in my, my wife and my brother <laughs> and everybody and come help us. Because we weren't – as most entrepreneurs – it's funny. Most entrepreneurs – they're prepared for failure, but they seldom prepare for success. Mm, uh, wow. So we true. Prepared for that level of success. And, and I mean, we did 1500 bucks on that first day. Um, and, and, you know, we were just over the moon and I think that's when we knew we had something. Uh, yeah. Um, and needless to say, like one of those game changing moments, right? Bucks a day today. Um, yeah, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a pinch me moment. Definitely. Uh, of course the moment you don't talk about on air often is, is that that was on a Saturday and on the Monday we did 400 bucks and I was <laughs> my fingernails. So, um, um, yeah, no, there were, there, that was definitely a pinch me moment. A few other pinching moments is as we expanded the concept and started to work in different markets and just seeing the enthusiasm from the staff, from the customer, um, it was really, it was, it was just a special thing to be part of. And, and, uh, it was both a privilege and an honor. Yeah. And, and just the, the, the excitement of seeing an idea that you have come to fruition. Can you hear me, David? Uh, Sorry about that. Yes, I can now. A little technical difficulty. Yeah. 
That's all right. What I was saying is um, the just the excitement of seeing an idea that you have actually come to fruition and then beyond that to have it ignite in such a, a really significant way um, must have been just fan- or and continues to be something that obviously, as you said, you feel privileged and excited and honored to be a part of. Um, but one of the things I want to uh, just highlight is um, and thank you for sharing the the difference between the Saturday and, and Monday, because I think it's really helpful for entrepreneurs to know that even this tremendous, uh, exciting business uh, and this global brand that you've created, uh, it still has had, even though that's not really a down because it started its first day so successfully, but that, you know, um, it's a journey, nevertheless, would you say? It is. And I often get asked this uh, uh, when I'm giving uh, uh, doing speaking engagements, somebody will stand mm-hmm. up and say, uh, how long did it take it for you to really know you had something? And I think people get a little bit disheartened to hear the answer. You know, it, 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 we knew we had something right away. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, there were challenges along the way, but it, it you know, it was building on, on success um, rather than, banging our heads against the wall, trying to make something go and it wasn't going. Uh, and, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, find themselves in situations where, um, you know, we ha- we celebrate this idea in society that never give up despite all odds, you're going to persevere and make a go of it. But sometimes you got to be able to move on and you have to be able to listen to, to reason. And, and um, um, you know, it's okay for things not to work. You're going to have sure. other ideas, you know, that, that come up. I mean, before David C, I had a company called Fitting Room Central that nobody's ever heard of that didn't work. Uh, mm-hmm. And I spent two, three years, you know, in my basement trying to make it work. And and I probably spent a year longer than I should have on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's, you know, I, I, it took me 10 years to be an overnight success. <laughs> yeah, that tends to be the the standard <laughs> takeaway that we hear, right? right? Exactly. It's yeah. Um, well, it's clear that you are a proven branding master. And what are some of the key elements of a brand, and what inspires you to create branding behind your products? I think um, you know, for listeners, it's really helpful. We get a chance to hear from an expert, and so if you could give some tips to fellow entrepreneurs. Um, you know, around the whole branding exercise and, and for them to be able to think about, okay, how can I apply the lessons learned from David's tea and Mad Radish and, and take my business to the next level? So can you, can you share a few of your trade secrets with us today? Well, I mean, the first thing I, I always ask myself is, is, uh, and, and I'll have, uh, people only see the ideas that I, that I go forward with, but they don't see the, thousands that I, that we have that we don't go forward with. So the first thing mm-hmm. we I ask is, why does the world need your concept? I mean, that's what you want to be asking yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, with Mad Radish, we really, we feel that one of the biggest issues of our time is bringing food that is good for you. I mean, diet, you can have such an impact on the health of Canadians through diet. And, mm-hmm. and when I look around and I see your options out there. There's a lot of what I call food deserts in this country where um, you can't f- either you either there's food that's that's good for you and makes you feel good, but it tastes like crap, or more often than not, it's just food that that makes you feel like crap. Um, mm. So so we really felt that there was an opportunity uh, to make the food that's good for you and makes you feel good also taste good, uh, and that and that eating well shouldn't feel like taking your medicine. So I mean. 
we felt that that was a, a, a purpose that's, that was worth pursuing. So I, I really, I think when you're talking about a concept, I think that's really critical. You really got to challenge yourself as to why does the world need you? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the next thing around brand is, is super important is that brand is, you know, people will often say it's, it's your personality. It's, you have to think of it like you're building your character. Um, but you have to think of each touch point, like your manner, mannerisms. I mean, each touch point matters. Uh, so, for example, with salads, we visited, uh, we looked at every single salad concept, both in Canada and the U.S. And so, mm-hmm. um, many of them, it was interesting. You'd get to the end of the process, and they and the bread, they'd throw on a piece of of you know s- s- grocery store bought sourdough <laughs> bread. It was an afterthought, and yeah. and I mean that's a critical touch point. I mean the the everything about it is 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 key for down to the packaging. Um, we're going to be using only compostable packaging. We don't even have garbages in our stores. Um, we're going cashless. I mean, little touch points. Our bread is, is baked in-house every morning. It's a, a focaccia, a rosemary focaccia with olive oil. Um, every Yum. little detail around the brand and all the touch points, it really matter. I mean, to the point where we obsessed around the fork, the size of the fork, what it felt like in your hand. We ended up doing a custom mold for the fork. Uh, so that cool. you pick up tomatoes, you know, those cherry tomatoes, which are pain to pick <laughs> up with it. Or, or, I mean, just little things like that. The soup spoon, it's got to be the right, you know, it, it, everything mm-hmm. ab- about this, this has to be, uh, all the touch points need to be considered. And I think often people um, will... It will often sort of pull up short on the small touch points because they don't think they matter, and they do. Um, the bathrooms in your restaurant, they matter. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people would judge you based on your bathrooms. I mean, it's just, it, these little things really, really matter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think those are – and I also love the creativity around building brands and, and being able to find really new and interesting ways of of uh, of – of doing things. So for example, we, we realized that I, I'm a big, I, I can't stand loyalty programs. I find, I, th- I think that they, they do everything but create loyalty. They, they train your customers to expect discounts. Um, they, they're just, they, there's nothing unique about them whatsoever. They erode margins. Um, this whole buy nine, get one free. Uh, I just doesn't, it feels dated to me. So uh, we actually decided that instead of having a loyalty program, we were going to, every time you buy through Mad Radish, either you pre-order on your app or online on the website with your account, or you just come into the store, buy in the store and, and scan your barcode at the cash, your account barcode at the cash. We donate one serving of fresh vegetables to this organization called uh, Community Food Centers Canada. Um, it's a great organization. Uh, it's this guy, Nick Saul from The Stop in, in Toronto. So he, re- he realized that food banks um, really perpetuate poverty and it's the beggars can't be choosers model and the food that they give out is often the frozen hot dogs and and canned beans and all the re- the rejected products from Kraft and Campbell's basically and what he did is he said look we're going to serve fresh vegetables we're going to treat this like a community center we're going to have people cook together we're going to have them eat together uh, learn about healthy eating and he's had a major impact uh, and he's he's been able to really help lift people up um, you know people don't realize that food banks about 80% of the people who go through them it's on a temporary basis they just need help for a moment in their lives uh, and they're not permanent fixtures of the food banks so uh, 
um, we're really proud to be supporting that. And, and it's an opportunity for us. You know, we think this is kind of creative. It's this idea of helping your neighbor instead of having a loyalty program where we give you your 10th salad free, uh, every single time you buy, you're going to be helping someone in your community, uh, get some healthy food who needs it. Uh, and you'll be able to track your impact too on our app. So, um, yeah. Wow. I mean, I think, okay. Yeah. That's a big idea. That, that is really exciting. I, I, I think that's tremendous because not only um, I think does it reflect where where we're at right now, but it's also where we want more companies to go. Totally. You know, we, we've yeah, we feel good about giving back all of us in all the ways that we can. And isn't it nice that it's so directly and and it's on brand point, but that's not the point. It just it aligns nicely, but it really is a a remarkable feel good. So congratulations Thanks. to you. I think what's interesting about it is we've built it right into our business processes rather than yeah. what most companies do is it's an app, you know, they make a profit and then they say, okay, I'm going to give a small percentage of this to something. It's sort of an mm-hmm. afterthought. But for us, it was, it was one of the first things that we considered, uh, um, uh, you know, cause we do want to encourage people to, uh, we do want to be able to get the data on on uh, uh, what people are buying and why they're buying it and when they're coming, how frequently they're coming. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not because we want to be big brother or anything like that. It's just because it helps us serve our customers better. It helps us know w- what products we should be serving, what times of the day we should be staffing up for and why, uh, mm-hmm. who are our best customers and what they expect from us. I mean, these kinds of things are important. I mean, they, the more information we can get as a business, uh, the better we can serve our customers. And and we also love the idea of combining this with with a way where everybody wins, where um, you know we get to help out communities and our customers get to help out their neighbors. Mm-hmm. In, in, a, in a real tangible and meaningful way. So I, I can see why... Um, this is an actual loyalty program, isn't it? I think so. I mean, it's we haven't, you know, like in the real sense of it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We're just getting going, so we'll see how it yeah, how it all shakes but, out. But, but, um, um, yeah. So passes. Just, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, David, it passes the sniff test. All right, <laughs> you know? good. It's like, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's rock on on the values and alignment and uh, feel good. You know, it for me to think, okay, and I know, you know, I, this is my next question, why you chose Ottawa as your lunch pad for this new amazing salad chain, which I'm excited to try. And, um, but for me right now, right away, I think I'm coming in because I know that uh, I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to get to feel good, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's an immediate feel good. Like I'm literally going to feel good because I'm eating great food and then I'm going to feel good because I'm like, look at me giving back, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So and and, and as a customer, you don't really have to do much. All you have to do is scan a barcode and, and, and yeah. we do the rest of the work and then you'll be able to track the impact on the app. Um, That's why great. Ottawa? Tell us about, yeah, yeah, why Ottawa? When Ottawa? Tell us everything about that and I, then what's next after it. I mean, I'm, I'm from Ottawa originally. I, I, I lived in Montreal a long time and, and a brief stint in Boston in the U.S. Uh, well, well, I was at David's Tea, but, but um, uh, moved back to Ottawa with my family. Um, I love this city. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's one of these underrated cities where the lifestyle is fantastic. It's also the capital of the country. And our mission here is to bring um, food that, that 
makes you feel good and is good for you, but also tastes good um, to all Canadians. So what better place to start than, than in, in the capital? Uh, and so, yeah, we're opening, it's, it's in, we're in the Glebe on Bank and Fifth and we're Al- okay. Alberta Metcalf downtown. Um, and uh, we're looking at, at uh, Montreal, we're looking at Toronto, we're looking at the suburbs, we're looking at drive-throughs, we're looking at all kinds of different, th- different ways to um, make this, this, you know, to really create a concept that, that uh, elevates what a salad can be and, and make sure that fast food is no longer a dirty word. I mean, our whole, our whole thing here is the, the quality of the food that you get in fine dining but with the speed of service you get in fast casual and fast food. So, I mean, the first thing we did, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm working with with uh, the person that headed up our branding team at David's Tea, uh, who's my partner mm-hmm. in this. But the first thing the two of us did is we hired one of Canada's best chefs. We went and got Nigel Finley from uh, The Chase in Toronto, which is a, a very, cool. a very uh, uh, popular uh, fine dining restaurant mm-hmm. in Toronto. And so... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we got to work on our supply chain and, and, uh, uh, you know, what better place to start than Ottawa? I think, I think, you know, we plan to take it everywhere, but, but, uh, it's my hometown and, and, um, and it's the capital. So why not? I love it. And, uh, I would ask you though, quit telling everybody what a great place it is to live. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. It's our secret. It is we don't, our secret. <laughs> yeah. It's true. You, so no. no, this is this is so exciting. Tell me this. Can you just uh, tell us a little bit more about the menu? So are these all predetermined salads or is there build your own? Like can you just give us a little yes. more insight into oh, it? I'd like some to. of the thinking. So yeah, because I'm sure there was so much thinking that went into this. Tons. Um Yeah. So because that's also helpful just to jump in and finish. It's really helpful for entrepreneurs to understand understand kind of your logic and how you, because clearly there's a ton of research that went into making each of these decisions as well. Absolutely. So if you can just kind of walk us through so people understand this and, and can think about how to apply that to their own business. Uh, I think, I, I mean, first thing we did is we looked at was already out there. First thing, I, I mean, yeah. I, sorry, it started fr- out of frustration as these things often do. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm very interested in diet and I've, I, as have I've observed just as a human being that when I eat well, a food that's that makes me feel good and is good for me, uh, I feel a lot better. Um, so I, I, you know, but I was frustrated by the fact that you really often that means compromising on taste and eating. Mm-hmm. Eating is eating is one of life's greatest joys, and so I don't feel you should have to compromise. So um, we looked at everything that was on the market. Really, our approach to it is this isn't a choose your own adventure salad place. So you don't go in. There's not a checklist where you tick off what you want. Um, okay. You don't get those little cube chicken. There's no what we call it. Yeah, we call it. We call it sad salad. You're saving us. Yeah, no sad salad chicken. Uh, you know, we do real rotisserie yeah. chicken from from Voltage Yum. Farms in, in uh, Quebec, which is a, a great uh, uh, organic chicken farm. Um, it's it's you know whole roasted uh, chickens that day. Um, we have tons of vegan options. We 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 have options for all diets, but really, it's we went out and got this phenomenal. Chef uh, from the Chase, Nigel, and and he's designed these salads. We've tasted hundreds of salads uh, in order to pick fifteen of them for you. Uh, okay. 12, 12 cold salads, three warm bowls, and there is if you want to customize your own salad and, and you want to build your own, you can. Well, you know we're obviously going to accommodate, but um, we really recommend that you try one of the chef's uh, creations because. 
you know, often you go in these places just because you like cucumbers and, and onions and chickpeas doesn't mean they go well together. I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, yeah. we've designed these salads so that they really taste amazing. We've worked with, with uh, a registered uh, nutritionist to help us uh, make sure you're getting uh, a full meal. Um, we don't want you to have to eat this and be hungry an hour later, as often happens with salad. Um, mm-hmm. this, is, this is designed to give you optimal nutrition. It's 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 not like uh, picking through. Uh, often with these places, you get it's a bed of lettuce with a few of your favorite ingredients mixed in, and you got to sort of pick through the lettuce to find the stuff that you really want. Um, mm-hmm. The ingredients are the star at Mad Radish. Uh, the the greens are are there, but they're not. They're just part of the salad rather than the stars of the salad. Uh, I mean, we got just to give you a few of the names here. We got like mm-hmm. Mad Panzanella, which is a takeoff of a Panzanella salad, uh, peanut ensalada with pineapple, avocado, sweet corn, jalapeno. Um, we have a tangine salad, uh, an amazing smoky Caesar that's a vegan smoky Caesar, uh, roasted salmon kimchi. I mean, we got yeah. some really nice stuff. Okay. Yeah. What about David's favorite salad? My favorite. Well, my chef makes. Yeah. Yeah. What's your go-to? He makes fun of me because I, he says I have a new favorite every day. So, uh, oh. <laughs> uh, um, well, that's I, and you know it's funny. I, entrepreneurs who are listening, I mean, I, I'm I'm more excited about this one than I was at the start of David's tea. I mean, I love tea. Don't wow. get me wrong. I still I still drink it, but um, it it the market for this is just so big. I mean, mm-hmm. we can have such an impact on people's lives and. Uh, I, I find myself, I mean, the irony is, I was saying this to my wife, you know, if I wasn't the founder of Mad Radish, I'd still be its best customer. Um, and so that's, <laughs> that's, that's always a good sign. And even David's tea, I mean, I'm still a big tea drinker. So, I mean, I think, I think that's yeah. always a nice, you don't want to build a business. I mean, you want to listen to your customers and you don't want to do, it's not always about what you like, it's about what the customer likes, but it is, it is kind of nice to be involved in something that you feel great about because it's something you know that you want. I mean, it's that, that you feel belongs in, in your neighborhoods and in your country. Well, and for the takeaway for entrepreneurs listening, that's really, you know, I want to highlight is, so you, you know, to your point, okay, why does the world need your concept? Well, that's clear. We understand that. But then following that, you actually put a lot of effort and research into thinking about how can Mad Radish you know, deliver on, on what the world needs and then also investing where you need to. So going after the best top talent and involving them. So, you know, it is no surprise, therefore, you know, if we go back to when we were talking about branding, that, um, this is going to be, uh, I think, uh, phenomenal because you've really taken the steps to think it all the way through, which is helpful for entrepreneurs who are at that startup phase, understanding, you know, you've given us such a nice look into how this new new brand has been um, established. So I thank you. That's really, really helpful. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time where we need to take a very quick break, but we'll be right back with more from our amazing guests. Stay tuned. As an entrepreneur, you're always looking for ways to work smarter, faster, simpler, and better. Grow your business your way with transformative tech like Microsoft Azure, Office 365, Windows 10, and more. Visit modernbiz.ca, that's modernbiz.ca, and see how Microsoft can help you run your business anytime, anywhere. Canadian-born business One by Sun creates and sells a unique collection of printed yoga mats, tote bags, pouches, and prints 
From original hand-painted designs to customers across Canada, the United States, and Australia. When their products are out for delivery, it's important for their customers to have total visibility to ensure their packages are delivered on time, no matter where their customer is located. UPS Canada helps customers track their shipments 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, while co-owners Evangelina and Jamal can focus on growing their business. Join the UPS Small Business Program to get support on your unique supply chain needs. Plus, save 40% off shipping. Visit ups.com forward slash my business. Thank you to our sponsors. And we're back. So uh, you've had this major exit, obviously, from David's Tea. And I don't want to spend all our time going back, but I think no, no it's uh, interesting and, and exciting for people to understand that. Um, can you give us a sense of, because, you know, it's such a successful business and obviously uh, very demanding, I would imagine. Um, when did you know it was time to resign and what were some of the factors or reasons or considerations that influenced your decision? Well, it, it I mean, I'm so proud of what we did at David's Tea and, and, I, I learned a ton there. I mean, I can't say enough good things about David's tea. I mean, I, it, it, it was, it, it was a fantastic experience and I'm grateful for it. Uh, you know, but everything has its time. And, and after about almost nine, 10 years, I mean, because remember, yeah. we launched in 2008, but we've been planning it for a year before that too. Yeah. Um, it just it. I was a minority partner in the business. Um, I did not agree with the direction of the company at that time, mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons. Um, and um, uh, you know, I I no longer was able to make the impact that I wanted to make, and so mm-hmm. uh, it was it was just time for me to move on. And and uh, I, I I continue to wish them the best. As I say, I'm still a customer. Of course, um, yeah. But. Um, uh, you know the nice thing about Mad Radish is I've I've made a significant personal investment in this. I'm I'm mm-hmm. uh, I'm the majority owner. Um, mm-hmm. That comes with an enormous responsibility. Uh, mm-hmm. You know I feel a great responsibility to my customers and the people that I've hired and who have believed in in the concept and and have trust mm-hmm. trusted in me. Uh, um, and it means that that you have to show up and operate with the highest level of integrity and and uh, and create a culture that that really where people can excel uh, and where people can feel comfortable. Um, and so that's where my focus has been right now. And, and, um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was, you know, people are like, what was it like? You know, it's your baby, your, your company is your baby. And oh my God. But you know, you, 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 the sun comes up the next morning after, I mean, it was a very hard, I, 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 I was, I, you know, <laughs> I was crying the day I resigned. Like it was a big mm, deal. Like it was, yeah. it, it was, and I, I, I didn't realize how emotional it would be for me. Um, cause it was, it was a long ride and it was, uh, you know, I mean, my God, I mean, I, it, it changed my life forever. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but um, but you know you, you get up the next day and and there's there's new challenges to tackle and and there's new things to get involved in and boy am I happy I I did because uh, like I told you I could not be more excited about Mad Radish, which is so fun that you know that you uh, and. I appreciate you acknowledging the challenge of how hard it is because it is, it was your vision, your creation and, but yeah, it's time to move on and there's more, more new ventures to launch. And so this is, I think really inspiring and helpful for our startup entrepreneurs to, to hear that journey. So thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. Um, 
So you talked about culture and how this uh, goal and desire at Mad Radish, what you want to achieve and making it a place for people to succeed. And um, we know how important, especially, you know, you, with a new business, those early hires really have a key role in establishing uh, the culture. So can you talk about, you know, people and how you hire people and how you make good choices. And, you know, because uh, the people part of it can be so challenging for entrepreneurs, you know, they start with their idea and then they have to um, share that and put some faith in others. So can you just sort of give us some insights into how you, David, approach that? This is the number one most important thing in business is is culture and and uh, uh, hiring. I, I'm, and I mean, my job as whatever founders, you know, whatever you want to call me. I mean, the person, the person really driving the engine is, is to get the best and brightest people involved in the company and create an environment where they can thrive. I, that really is number one on the job description. And, um, Mm -hmm. one of the, not one of the first thing we did with Mad Radish Mm -hmm. is create our culture is start to document the type of culture we want to build. Um, and, and what our purpose is. And, and this is, this is, I mean, I can't say enough how important this is because this becomes your filter. It becomes the filter that you put all key decisions through. Uh, it becomes mm-hmm. the filter that you put all key hires through. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we want to create a culture of overachievers. Uh, we want Mad Radish to be a complete meritocracy. Um, we're looking for people that that really derive satisfaction from from getting a job well done. Um, we want to build something special. I mean, I tell people like I don't have to do this. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in a fortunate position. I don't have to, but I'm here because I, I'm going to interject for a sec, David. And I'm going to tell you, hearing your passion and the way you're approaching it, financially, you may not have to do it, but you have to do this. (laughs) That's what my wife said. Me too. You know, like you do. I do. I love it. Yeah. It's so obvious that you love it. And, you know, you could say, okay, yeah, I I financially may not need to take on another venture, but I sure can't sit on the sidelines and watch other people make cool (laughs) cool things. Well, that's the the thing. I mean, that's that's exactly the point. I mean, I, we want to build a culture where looking for people where um, it's it's where it's not just the money I mean look everybody wants mm-hmm. to make money I, I get that I mean, I'm not different yeah. in that regard but but uh, but it's got to be something I, I really believe in what we're doing I think I think this is I, th- I think this is uh, uh, I love it I just I get up in the morning I'm just curious to see how far we can take it and uh, I'm, I'm just excited to apply the lessons I've learned along the way to this venture and so I I kind of have that expectation with the people we hire and I think that that our responsibility as employers um, is to uh, operate with the highest level of integrity. And what that means is, is doing what you said mm-hmm. you do. Um, okay. you, know, you, you see this often in startups where uh, promises are made and not kept. And um, you know that, that uh, just can't happen. And I think so you just have to be careful what you promise. Um, and and, and you've you got to set the right expectations and give very direct feedback, uh, even if it's not easy feedback for people to hear. Uh, I think transparency and, and openness is, is the most important thing. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of culture we're trying to build right now. And, and we put a lot of effort into that. I, uh, and we've gone out of our way to recruit um, really special people. I mean, our operator was uh, um, 
uh, one of the top operators of Pret a Manger, and, and he was in London, England, and then in New York City. Then he moved on to chop salads. We recruited him out of New York City and, and brought him to Ottawa in the dead of February. That was interesting. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I told you a bit earlier about our chef Nigel from from the Chase in Toronto, and um, so you know we're putting together. And there's and there's a ton of other people in this company right now uh, who who are are just just extremely talented and 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 really hungry, hungry, hungry to to achieve and and to build and create something from nothing. And I, I just I think that 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 is is. Uh, um, you know where entrepreneurs falter the most is on not recruiting amazing people and letting them spread their wings and fly and do their jobs. Um, you know, you, my job is is to sh- to shape the company um, to 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 set up the structure of how we're going to make decisions. Um, to listen to my team. Um, but really, you, you can as an entrepreneur if you want to build something special. You're it's not always going to be you. In fact, it's it's yeah, and more often than it's, not it's it can't not be, be you. right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. you can only take it so far, Absolutely. and if you're spending all your time, you know, uh, only uh, in the business, then you know there's no time to be doing the strategy and and the big ideas yeah. that need to happen. You have to hire people uh, after extensive uh, uh, interviewing process, after setting clear, and then you have to set clear expectations. Uh, you have to do everything in your power to help make that person successful. And then, you know, you have to hold that person accountable and that's your job. But you can't, if you start to micromanage them and, and, and tell them where they need to be, when and why, um, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. It's also exhausting, it's exhausting. <laughs> isn't it? Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, when we, and so we've been talking about these founding teams and how they contribute to the success or failure. Um, can you just mention a few of the different either personalities or skill sets, uh, either that were part of David's T or, uh, and, or if they're equally relevant or the, the same kind of, you know, per blend of people that you need. And we know diversity is really important. So, but is it different or the same with Mad Radish? Well, I'll tell you what core things you're looking sure. for, you know, I'll tell mm-hmm. you what's different and what's the same. I mean, there are parts that are different parts of the same. What's the same is the passion. I think that that um, the people, the the founder, the founding group at David's Tea and the founding group of Mad Radish both share. Um, I mean, they'll work around the clock to get things done uh, when it needs to get done. Um, they, they're all committed to our success. Uh, they all believe in what we're doing. They're all really excited about it. They, they, uh, you, you know, they see the opportunity to build something special. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, I think both companies, the early groups of, of both companies, I mean, we're still with the early group of, of Mad Radish, but the early group of, of David's T shared that as well. Um, where they differ is that David's T was a sales culture. Uh, it, it was very different. So we were, you know, when you walked at in those days, I mean, now you know what to do in a tea store. But in those days, when you walked into a David's Tea, most people had no idea how to buy tea. I mean, just think about that for a sec. It, it's loose leaf tea for home use was not something that people were generally buying in that at that time. Um, right. So there was a lot of sales to it in the sense that you had to explain it. You had to. There was a you know a whole twenty minute process often. Um, and I think that's one of David C's biggest challenges today is it's still a 20 minute process. And a lot of people want to get in and out of that place a lot quicker. Um, but, but with Mad Radish, it's very different. It's, it's, it's the restaurant business. You're dealing with fresh food. I mean, we're buying local produce and 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 local chicken and salmon from Ocean Wise Salmon Farms, and we're baking bread in house daily. I mean, there's 
you're managing waste. Um, the stuff has a very short shelf life. So it, it's very operationally driven. Um, mm -hmm. You need to be, you know, the operation, the operational component is a little bit, a little bit more forgiving in the, with a David's T type of model um, yes. than it is in a, a Mad Radish, uh, uh, in a salad concept. So the culture needs to reflect that. So the types of people we've hired are a bit more operationally focused. Um mm -hmm. I mean, you still need to have, uh, you know, it's you're still in the customer service business, and you still need need, uh, um, uh, you know, I mean, you still need to to have that skill set. I'm a huge believer in 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 customer service, but but um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it it's it, it's a sales culture versus operational culture is the main difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. Can you talk about, so you decided on Ottawa as a um, as a launch and you've talked about other cities, obvious next locations, but can you um, think about uh, or share with us what you're thinking what you were thinking about or how you made the decision of, for example, uh, you mentioned your first location in the Glebe and then a, a different downtown location, just some of the, you know, sort of the broad thinking that went into it because for entrepreneurs, they want to understand, you know, okay, well, this is how David Siegel decided to launch his brand. How can that help me? And, and, you know, the considerations I might want to have as I'm looking at um, putting my business in a certain spot. Um, I mean, I had the benefit of opening two hundred stores at Davis T. I did, I did all of our leases, so I, I, I got to. I, I you, did, you personally did all the leases. Uh, not, not all that's, of them. Uh, sorry, I mean, I, wow. I oversaw most. No, of No, but them. the majority. Yes. Oh, the, yeah, oh, but by that's far what the I mean. majority. Okay. Then, yes. Uh, wow. Myself wow. and and uh, Elise Trudeau, who, who uh, handled our leasing, but but for most of my time at Davis T, she reported to me. So we, I mean, we did it together, and and um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I know, I mean, I've been to the, the real estate shows in, in, in Whistler, which is the, the big real Canadian real estate show. I, I, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I think what would be interesting. So you've developed that skill set basically. So, yes. but I don't want to scare people off. Well, no, but, but <laughs> you know, here's it's okay. Thing, if you don't. Here's some of the, here's how you get started with it. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that, would that, be that one of the people, things people forget about real estate uh, at least in, in, in the retail business is that you have to sell yourself to landlords a lot of the time, the good ones. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you find that the landlord is selling you, that's probably means that you don't, you aren't looking at a great location. Um, often, I mean, unless you're, uh, you know, by the time David C was 200 stores, it was a bit different. We had landlords selling us, but that's, that's because we now have a history of paying the rent on time. So it's a bit, right. a bit different. Um, but if you're starting up and you are going to locations because a landlord tells you it's a great location, they really want you there. That generally is a red flag. You, you should be out there trying to sell yourself to a landlord who has a phenomenal spot and has 10 other people that want it. Um, that's usually a good sign that you're putting yourself in a great position. I mean, the rest of it is, is sort of obvious. You want to look at, at population density. I really think foot traffic is key. Uh, I think in mm -hmm. many ways, the store is the marketing. So you're paying for this, this billboard, which is what your store is. So you just want to make sure there's a lot of people going by and seeing that store. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's also an opportunity once you have the store, you, you can get out in front of it and introduce yourself to people walking by through sampling. Um, so I, I think that that's an important consideration is, is how how vibrant of uh, an area is it? How much foot traffic? Um, then you want to look at the condition of the building. Often what landlords will do is they'll have you spend an awful lot of money uh, doing the base building, which is 
you know, putting in the air conditioning systems, putting in upgrading the electrical or the plumbing or the slant in the floors and structural elements, uh, you'll often get stuck having to do that. Uh, and you just want to be very careful in understanding what you're getting involved with. Um, you know, sometimes it's worth it to do that work, to be honest with you, if the store is good enough, but most of the time it's not. Uh, and you can really uh, uh, blow your budget uh, uh, by by not doing a careful site survey uh, and really understanding the condition of the building that you're getting into. And I'm talking about street real estate in that, in that, mm -hmm. you know, with that comment. Um, yeah. And then, and then I, you know, I check your market rents, make sure you're not overpaying, make sure that, that the landlord is charging you its market uh, in the area uh, and get yourself a good agent. I think, I think that often um, people starting out, they don't want to get an agent, but a good agent is is important. Uh, you just have to know how to how to how to how to how to be demanding on your agent too. You have to make sure your agent gets you the information that you need, and also understand that your agent is a double agent, um, which is okay. Once you realize that that's what they are, uh, it's not a mm -hmm. bad thing. We think about that like it's like oh my god, they're they're you know like it's it's <laughs> yeah. treason. Like it's not though. I mean that's just the nature of the business. They're they get paid by making a deal. So their job is to bring both sides together and you can't bring both sides together by being completely biased on one side. So they're going to tell you things you don't want to hear. Um, you know, but you also need to use that to your advantage. It's, it's an opportunity for you to uh, speak through your agent to the landlord, um, but you need to sell your agent hard on the message you want going across to the landlord. And, it, and then from there, it's just knowing how to make a deal. There's certain times where you need to pick up the phone and call the landlord direct, and there's other times where you need to, to go through the agent. Um, there's other times where you need to push the pause button and just make sure that, that you're making the right decision. Um, yeah, I mean, those are some of the the sort of off the cuff tips. I hope that helps. Are you kidding? That was like a master class in how to decide where to put your spot. So, thank you. That's tremendous. Um, how about a couple of uh, thoughts um, sharing on some of the biggest lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur, uh, and maybe maybe some of those coming also from um, mistakes that you might have made along the way. Biggest lessons and mistakes. Oh no, we made tons of mistakes. <laughs> I think I think when you when you my my original partner David C used to have a saying that I really liked. It was you know what we stand for should never change. How we do things should never stop changing. Um, mm. And I think that when you're growing really fast, if you haven't put in place a strong foundation for what your company is all about, and then you need to stay true to that, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. then, then I think, uh, you can run into trouble along the way. And I actually think that's kind of what happened to us at David Steve. Um, mm -hmm. my apologies. I don't know why this that's okay. thing does this. A busy guy. No, I don't. just had proof. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also, I'm, I'm also not, I'm, I, technology is not my forte. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, okay. but, um, um, yeah, I, I, I think that that, when you when you start to go fast, uh, you better make sure that foundation is in because otherwise you can you you, you can very quickly lose your identity. Um, so I'd say that's a big lesson and one that we're going to make sure to prevent at Mad Radish. Uh, and and that ties into culture. What we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier and the importance of culture. Um, I would say the other the other big mistakes entrepreneurs make and that I've made far too many times is is 
um, not putting, you know, I, nobody likes to fire people. It's, it's, I mm-hmm. mean, if you like to fire people, uh, there's something wrong. Um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's the most unpleasant thing in the world. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be, absolutely. I don't want to no, be, absolutely. I don't want to be yeah. bad. I'm not a bad, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think of myself as a bad person and I, nobody mm-hmm. wants to feel like, like, you know, like an, <laughs> nobody wants to feel mean. So, uh, no. but, but you, you have to realize as an entrepreneur when you've made a mistake hiring, uh, and that's what it is, by the way, when you have to let somebody go, you've either made a mistake hiring or you made a mistake in terms of, of training and talent development. It's, it's on you. You have to own that mm-hmm. made the mistake, mm-hmm. but you also have to fix your mistakes. You can't, you cannot put the rest of the company and the rest of the people in the company, um, in jeopardy, uh, and bring, and bring the whole thing down at the expense of, of, uh, one or two people or, or a few that, and, and at the expense of your own your own uh, feelings of not wanting to to feel bad about having to do something that's very difficult to do. Um, so I've made that mistake far too many times. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think those are some of the big ones. Uh, mm-hmm. The big one is focus on your product. So Mad Radish, our sole focus, again, I mean, it goes back to that purpose. I, I mean, I can't say it enough. The food really mm-hmm. has to be of the quality that you get in fine dining. Uh, the salads need to taste as good as they make you feel. People need to, le- it has to be crave-worthy. They have to leave there being like, that was amazing. Oh, uh, crave-worthy. That's yeah. a great way to think of it. I love that. You know, so so it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's about the product. I mean, we are... We are all about the food. Uh, everything from our supply chain, which you go on our website, you can learn all about our sourcing. Um, uh, What's the website? Tell us. Madradish.com. Yeah. Nice and easy. Okay. Nice and easy. <laughs> Just making sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, all about our sourcing, all about our nutritional philosophies, uh, different content, our blog that, that talk about our, our suppliers, uh, about diets, about nutrition, about cooking, about learning about uh, different flavor profiles. You know, I mean, I think, I think that, that you got to have that focus on the product. Sometimes when you start to grow and you get the accounts and the planners and everybody comes in Mm -hmm. and all these people are extremely important. Don't get me wrong. Um, But what, what happens is you start to do different scenarios and you're strategizing and you're, uh, but don't forget about the product and the customer because really the rest is commentary. Um, You know, I mean, I, I, up until we had about 75 stores at Davis C. I used to see every single customer email that came in and every response that went out. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, that's attention to detail. So, and I, and the reason why I pause right there is because again, for entrepreneurs listening, this is the kind of like granular focus it takes to stand out from everybody else. Well, and it's focused on the right things. I mean, there are other things where uh, there are some entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs that look at me and they're like, I can't believe you didn't pay attention to, I don't know, fill in the blank. I mean, you're, you're, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, but there were, there, to what mattered to me, what I feel, I try and isolate the things that are the most important in my business. And those are the mm-hmm. things that I, I spend my time on. Um, it sounds kind of obvious, but it, it's sometimes with all the commotion and all the things that are moving a mile a minute, you kind of forget that. And in, in the retail business, in my opinion, it's the product and it's the customer. And those are the two most important things. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's 
so exciting. I know that um, we've had a, a jam-packed conversation filled with practical tips. And also, uh, I love that you've given us some of the insights, but also the stories behind building a tremendous first brand, David's Tea. But also, uh, I think it's clear to everybody that Mad Radish is going to be the next big thing. What's a book you would recommend to our readers that changed your life? Is there one or, and if there isn't one book right now that changed your life, is there one that you're giving out regularly these days? Um, <coughs> there's me. none that I'm giving out regularly or, or I mean, change okay. my life is, is perhaps a bit extreme. It, it didn't change my life per se, but it definitely uh-huh. gave me a perspective that I, I hadn't had before. And this was, I read this when I was in, in university uh, and it's a book okay. by uh, an entrepreneur named Bo Peabody and it's called Lucky or Smart. Uh, it's a very short read. Now, Bo is okay. nobody you've ever heard of. He's no Steve Jobs or Henry Ford, but he was a serial entrepreneur. Uh, mm-hmm. Bo was in the right place at the right time a lot. He was he was uh, in Aspen, Colorado, when it was bec- opening a restaurant, when it was bec- becoming a premier ski destination. He had a, a software company during the dot-com era. And he writes this book, and this book debates whether entrepreneurs are lucky or are they smart. Um and the conclusion, which I, I'm, you know, it's still worth reading. There's a lot of other great information in there, but the, I'll tell you the conclusion. It's because it is a mm-hmm. bit of a spoiler alert, but not really. Uh, <laughs> okay. The conclusion is that that uh, great entrepreneurs are smart enough to know when they're getting lucky. And mm. I think this is just a brilliant statement. I think it speaks to the important uh, importance of staying humble, of of being able to admit when you got it wrong and move on quickly. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs just get defensive and they keep and they keep, you know, keep holding on to this idea that they're right and everybody else is wrong. And it's and it's like, well, no, you're it's not working. You got to move. Like, um, and then when you do have something that's working, my God, you got to jump all over it. Uh, and you can't get sidetracked and you got to really stick with it. And, um, you know, I have a mind that, that likes to go a mile a minute on different ideas. I've, I've learned over many years to, to sort of keep my focus. But I remember one time at actually at one of the real estate shows, uh, um, speaking with our, our real estate uh, uh, brokers. And I was telling about this idea I had at the time and, and, and I was getting really excited about it. This was just at a cocktail party. And he looked at me and he said, why don't you just focus on opening the next hundred David's teas? You're going to do a lot better doing that. And he was right, you know, and, and when you have something and, and you're doing amazing, um, keep going with it. And by the way, the same goes with, with merchandising. It's so interesting. You know, I, I ran, when we went public at David's team, I was running, I mean, I was a CEO uh, until we were a certain size. Then I, I handled real estate and tea buying. Then eventually by the time we went public, I was running the entire buying and, and marketing group. Um, and um, it's so interesting with the buyers, you know, we often would, if we had a product that was a home run and a lot of companies do this, it's like, yay, it was a home run. Amazing. Now what's next? And then they go on and they try and, and do something totally different. But a lot of the time, um, you want to double down on your winners. You don't want to just move on. So, you know, what does that mean? That means that if we have a smoky Caesar salad that people love or a, a um, um, a chicken salad, let's say that everybody loves. We're doing. We have one called Off the Waldorf. for a chicken salad. Well, if that ends up being our number one selling salad, then we got to have some more chicken salads. Um, you don't just go and introduce, uh, um, you know, a tuna salad and make that your 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 highlight uh, uh, right away. You want to you want to try and double down on your win- winners and and so you know when you're onto something, keep going with it. 
Well, this has been tremendous, absolutely tremendous, David, and I'm really excited to come down to Mad Radish. Tell us one final question. Um, so we've, we've got your two locations in Ottawa and you're you're looking at other spots. When can people across the country expect to find Mad Radish in their in their cities what's can you give us a little bit of a landscape well, of what's I think, happening i think probably our next market will either be uh i mean we're going to obviously do more in in ottawa and then our, our next market yeah. will either be toronto or montreal um uh, we'll see it really depends on on the real estate we can get um we'll eventually end up in both hopefully and and in all cities and i think it's not just cities uh, you know i don't think this is just something that applies to urban centers uh i'm mm-hmm. we're really excited to bring this to uh places like the 401 you know where you drive and all you can get is oh, wendy's uh please do yeah, it I mean, now <laughs> yeah i mean we're gonna do drive right? we, we want drive yeah yeah we want to do drive throughs you know why why is yeah. it that when you when you drive through you can only get hamburgers and 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 soft drinks i mean we want you to be able to get amazing salads so uh, that's what Mad Radish is going to be about I mean we want to bring this to all Canadians not just the ones that live in downtown Toronto so um, um, yeah so we'll see I mean we'll probably stay on the east uh, you know in in the Toronto Montreal Ottawa corridor to start Quebec City um, but we'll make our way out west soon enough well, and uh, in the meantime, we invite our entrepreneurs to come to those, right now at least, come to Ottawa and uh, come to Mad Radish. David, you've been very inspiring, but also really generous too. So thank you so much for spending an hour with us today and sharing the insights. Yeah, thanks again. Okay, take care. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Until next week, thank you for listening. And now we leave you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, uh, this is Malcolm McKillop. I'm a partner uh, at Shields O'Donnell McKillop LLP. And you are listening to Startup Canada podcast. So we talked about some of the, uh, you know, your, some of the challenges, your genuine failures, but um, let's, let's talk on a more positive note. Biggest success as an employment lawyer. What, what do you, uh, what do you think of when you're asked that question? I mean, there's so many over a stellar career of 30 years. Well, you know, I think this applies to any entrepreneur. Um, I love being an entrepreneur. It took me, um, it took me. 18 years to build up uh, confidence uh, working for somebody else, working for um, a large Bay Street um, uh, firm. And and I knew I, I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur from the day I graduated from law school. And it just, it never really happened because I, I, I followed the traditional uh, step um, w- working in a big firm, becoming a partner, becoming a leader, and you know, I like having my own shop. I like the the flexibility, and um, <clears throat> I think having confidence in myself um, and caring about my business, you know, are the things I've done right. Um, and and I think I'm excellent at client service. I care I care about my my client's business, 
And I haven't lost sight of that. And there's uh, thousands, literally, in my business of alternatives for my clients, twos. And why they retain me, why they come back, why they've had a relationship with me for over 20 years. Um, you know, it's because I, I care about their business, I think. And and so that that part I did I did well. And I tell my young lawyers who are my young entrepreneurs in this room, I say to them every week, service, service, service matters. If a client, a customer perceives that they're not getting the best service and perceptions reality. And then I tell them excellence in terms of what you do. I want your work to be excellent. I want it to be correct. And um, if the perception is that it's not as good as it could be, then perceptions reality. And it is so hard to get a new client in the door. It is so easy to lose a client.